and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. And I'm Lori Sox. And today we're joined by Isla Halby from Zeno Mountain Farms. Zeno Mountain Farms is really amazing. It's something we discovered on the set of Sharp Stick. A young gentleman there named Devin McKinney introduced himself to us. He was working on the set and could not stop talking about Zeno Mountain Farms in Vermont. And this is how inclusion catches on. We were on an inclusive set with the brilliant Lena Dunham. Devin was working on that set. He saw Liam and his conversation was about how wonderful it was to see and work with Liam. And through that conversation, we find out about this camp that he used to volunteer at. And this camp just released a film called Best Summer Ever, which is one of the most inclusive films that have been made since a 1930s film, which is the complete opposite of what this film embodies. In this episode, we talk about the film Best Summer Ever, Zeno Farms camps, their short films and documentaries, and just the overall message of Zeno. What was beautiful about this conversation is what is at the core and foundation of Zeno, the noun or the verb. It comes down to, as Isla said, humanity. So welcome, Isla Holby. Hi there. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Nice to see you. I'm Lori. Steven. So nice to Even meet you. And our last name's pronounced Socks, like Socks, shoes and like socks. socks. That's right. Wonderful. I just listened to the most recent podcast and um, was so important. I really, I really appreciated that episode. Um, so I knew how to pronounce your names because I just listened to that Socks. It's it was the it was a um a, a, we've never had an episode like that and it was uh, we and it wasn't like our it was such a surprise. Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. And well, I thought the intro about that and how we're going to proceed. I thought it was really brave and really important. You know, I think it's language is so important. And and when we can have language that's inclusive and ever evolving, we can be in a deeper level of our shared humanity, you know? So I was just really grateful that um, you guys proceeded. I thought it was really important. Thank oh, you. Well, thank you. That, that means, means a lot. That means really a lot. Does. Of course. For me, it was just important because usually when we encounter that word, we're pretty surprised you know, we're never really prepared. And I mean, on any other day, I, I can't guarantee that that's how that conversation would have went. But I was just really glad that I could, I, maybe it was safe, because we're not like, you know, person to person, but just to be able to, to have a conversation. Because for me, I, I when people use that word, I, I just in my mind, I just don't understand it. And I don't know if I'm any closer to understanding it. But um, but it forced us to have the conversation, which was good. Yeah. And I think a model even of you can encounter conversations like this all the time. You know, we're in a, we grew up in an ableist world and just a model of just sticking with it. I thought that also was very brave to show because none of these conversations are perfect, you know, and I'm non-disabled, so I don't ever speak for the disabled community, but I have a lot of um, disabled community members in our shared Zeno community. And so it also is our responsibility to be in these conversations, you know, so I thought it was just really important and and brave. And um, I was like, I can't wait to talk to these guys today. You know, it really made me feel that way. Thank you. Well, I had heard about Zeno Mountain Farms uh, through a crew member on a movie that Liam was in called Sharp Stick, Devin McKinney. And we just talked for maybe five minutes. And it was, I think, Liam's last day. And he just came up and said how important he thought it was to have inclusion in movies and in film. And uh, he mentioned you guys. And all it took was 
a Google search and a click on your website and kind of fall in love with you then. <laughs> Do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Isla Halby, and I'm one of the co-founders and directors of Zeno Mountain Farm. And Zeno is a nonprofit based in Vermont, and we champion lifelong friendship and community for people with and without disabilities, as well as other marginalized communities. Um, but we're also evolving that language, so it's, we're really using communities that have been systematically excluded from friendship and community. And we do that through our retreats and camps. We run about 12 retreats and camps per year annually and through our filmmaking, through our film studio, which you heard about with Devin on the, on the film set. Filmmaking started out as a passion for us and has continues to be our, our deepest creative passion at Zeno. And our creative filmmaking model has evolved over the years. Um, and it also has evolved into our form of advocacy and outreach and a way to really get into all these spaces and talk about the Xeno model of community on a bigger scale. Um, we're a culture that loves to think about our humanity and experience our humanity through movies. And so we figured out that this was the biggest bang for our buck to engage with all the talent in the disabled community and all the creativity in the inclusive filmmaking progress and then broadcast it out into the world. It's a great way to hit people with a message. You know, we, I think it's pretty obvious that people with disabilities in general have not been portrayed in film often and, and very often like they want to be portrayed. Of course. You know, people with disabilities are, depending on statistics, 20 to 25% of the population. This is an enormous amount of the population. And then less than 1% to 2% of storylines are disabled storylines. And even as we start to see more disabled storylines, we're not seeing people with disabilities playing those roles. And so this is an area that really has so much potential uh, for growth and also I think has a big market value, is, is a big part of the profit share, you know, and the roots really trace back to a culture saying which people sort of have more value or have a different value than other people are who we're going to put on our screens, who we're going to represent, you know, in our films and our commercials and at Xeno, we really believe it's really our experience that our films are more dynamic for the diversity that we have, the disabled cast and crew. We also have crew with disabilities at Xeno in our movies, editors, writers, gaffers, people that work in sound. Everything is more dynamic and better because of the, the disability community and the input from our disabled crew members. So this is what is so exciting at Xeno is that we can share a movie and then get into these type of conversations. When we met, De or Stephen met Devin, Liam was working on the movie Sharp Stick, and um, that was the conversation that we had about that film was that when they were reviewing it, it was the first time our son wasn't identified as having Down syndrome, and they didn't, they didn't even mention the disability, which is, it was our first experience with that. And Lena Dunham was so great in her just approach to diversity and inclusion. It's a very natural and real thing. And it, it was life-changing for us just to be a part of that because anytime you're being portrayed, there's a moment where it's in somebody else's hands. Like you, your editors can make people look however they want to make, they choose the clips. And, and she had mentioned, you know, you do that, you choose the best coverage for every actor. So and it's funny that that is the place that Stephen met Devin because it was such, um, 
it was just a game changer in how disability is portrayed for us because our son has really lived a life with that's the first thing people see and it's that's that's kind of like what the only thing anybody sees and it's through film that we change these perceptions and not in a way of like I'm going to change your perception it's just like hey this is there's a film and people are changed without being told to yeah and the current not only are we not seeing a lot of people with disabilities in films, the current films, you're seeing these repetitive, harmful stereotypes over and over again, currently either. Often it's also just one person with a disability. And as you mentioned, it's all about the disability. Their whole character is based around the disability. And either it's the villain, you know, someone or the freak, that was kind of the old language, or it's someone that this whole kind of you before me, I would rather be dead than have a disability or my life is not worth living it if I have a disability or the inspiration story where the person with a disability is an inspiration to someone that doesn't have a disability. So those are the three kind of narratives we are, have been fed in the media so far. And that is um, what Zeno is really trying to create a new paradigm, which with we recently put out a feature film. Have you guys had a chance to see Best Summer Ever? Yes, we did. It's a feature length musical, original musical based on a lot of our favorites. You know, we have a lot of people in our community that love musicals. I don't know Liam, but I'm guessing he may be a fan of musicals and movies, uh, High School Musical, um, Grease, Mean Girls, all of those movies, we we combine them. And it has over 50% of the cast and crew of Best Summer Ever is disabled talent. And disability is never, ever mentioned. And there's so many people with disabilities in this movie that the feedback we've gotten as you watch it in the beginning, you're really responding to there's a lot of people with disabilities into this. And as the movie goes and the songs and the drama and the romance and the cheerleaders and the high school, you it sort of blends into just the storyline and the characters. You know, the story can just be the story. And I think about one time after a screening, uh, the lead character is a woman in a wheelchair named Sage. And she, it's not a spoiler alert, but they kiss in like the first 10 seconds of the movie. And the lead is a non-disabled man. And someone came up to me after the show and said, you know, I felt a little uncomfortable with the kiss in the beginning. And this was an adult woman. And she said, I've never seen someone, a woman in a wheelchair kiss a non-disabled man. And her words were, by the end of the film, I, I forgot that she was disabled. And we talked about that a little bit about that language. But what she was expressing was that her disability became integrated into her character and who she was through her singing and her talent and her character. And that is really what we're trying to do in the filmmaking studio at Zeno is like you said, get people to have an experience. The films are simply a way for people to have an experience and then we can open perceptions and start to talk about it and look in our own communities. Well, the film is beautiful. It is actually shot so beautifully. Thank you. There's so many things about Zeno that I, I want to talk about, but since you're already gone into the movie, Sage, who's played by Shannon, is it DeVito? Is that how you say it? DeVito, yep. Oh my goodness. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh my. Complete professional. Her voice is so beautiful. She's such a talented actor. Every time I hear her sing Leave Behind, I get goosebumps and almost cry every time. I have seen this movie like hundreds of times and it's so powerful. Um, and I can and I share a story too, which with Shannon's permission, um, we've been making movies at Zeno for a lot of a lot of years. We have 12 short films that we made. And then this was our biggest project to make a feature film. And so we recruited some all-star top leads for the film. So we recruited Shannon for this film. This was her first film with Zeno and we just love her. Um, but we've been asked multiple times if she had a voice double for the show. 
at many film institutes, which also just shows the current level of ableism and the current level of what culturally we are expecting and holding space for the talent of the disabled community. And I was able to say, no, that is why we recruited her. She's incredibly talented. Her voice is amazing. She's a comedian. We loved her comedic timing. She really brought so much to this role. We really needed a star and she is a complete star. I think, you know, at Xeno, we really believe in a model of like service and contribution and we need the talents of everybody. Our movies are better because of the talents of everybody. And that includes all the crew with disabilities. So, and she's big in the disability film challenge too. Man, she is so good. And it's when you're talking about film and you talk about the harmful depictions that are out there, I think it's because of the lack of inclusion in society that causes people to think this is, I'm doing something good. So it's if the intent is there. And then, like you said, having those conversations sometimes, you know, just acknowledging someone's best intentions, but let me help you out. This is really what we're going for. When you talk about having those low expectations, we just had this conversation and Liam had a triennial IEP and he had a psych evaluation. And there's all of this stuff that they put like in a box of like, this is basically like what they've experienced is influencing what they say about your, your child. And then he got something right. And they were like, I just want to note here that he did it fast. So he may have guessed. And I was just like, what is that? Right. And that expectation, that same like viewpoint of disability is what carries over. This person is in a wheelchair. There's no way that's her voice. There's no, you know, and I think that's why inclusion is so important and showing, and this is a good way through film is a great way to show and to break those expectations. Yeah. And as you know, we really believe um, to show like through celebration and celebration of the talents and fun. And that's what we wanted to do with the musical to have these big numbers. And often people are saying, I didn't expect your movie to be so good. I mean, just that to start the conversation with you guys to say, we loved your movie. You know, that is what that is what we want. That that is what we're we're going for, Zeno. And then we get into this next conversation. And it's an opening experience. Like I love that movie. I love teenage movies. And there was a lot of people with disabilities in that. How can I integrate those two things? I've never had that before, you know. I'm also a, a pediatric occupational therapist. I forgot to say that in the beginning. So I've worked in school systems. Um, also had this kind of tandem professional career as an OT that I love. And then with the Xeno career, really supporting each other and giving that viewpoint. But sometimes in the in the real world, in the non-Xeno world, we are looking at what are people's deficit deficits? What are the challenges? What can't they do? And at Xeno and with our films, we're starting at what are the strengths? What's possible? How can we hold this person's potential? How can we create a set and a scene that this where this person can thrive? And that changes everything. That opens everything up in a completely different way. Is that the first time someone's come up to you after a, a viewing and said that they felt uncomfortable seeing, you know, someone in a wheelchair kiss? Or some of the scenes that you that the, you show. Is that the yeah. first? Is that the first? And how? And how does it get any easier? Or we're we're talking about this all the time. And I actually was so glad that she did come up and that people are getting brave to to talk about this because I do think there is as we mentioned in the beginning, just a lack of experience with disability can lead to a little bit of fear or discomfort. And then as soon as people have an experience, we're able to really connect at a different level. It, it doesn't take long. It doesn't, you know, and that's what we're finding with the movie is that as opposed to me saying, 
I run Zeno. I think you should consider the talents of the disabled community. People are watching a movie, thinking about it, and then coming to talk to us at Zeno and then saying, what is this model community? How does this work? And so we've been talking about this a lot. I think the because this is a feature length film and we sold it to Hulu, which is like a huge success story to have a movie with this amount of inclusion on a mainstream platform, um, we've been able to talk about it more and in more conversations. And because it's a feature, it's just had a wider, a wider audience. Um, and the questions really, really vary. We've been showing it. I've been doing some outreach uh, in public schools to show the movie at some high schools, some regular ed high schools, and then some special ed high schools as well in, in New York. And the questions from the high schoolers in New York were amazing. They range from, are they really going out, you know, to, I have a lot of kids with disabilities in my school. Why did you put people with disabilities in your movie, you know, just to see themselves reflected. So it's really hitting across the board. We want people with disabilities to feel represented, to see themselves, to feel celebrated, to feel their talents are recognized. And then also the non-disabled population to start to tune in and ask why that feels different and where we can grow, and where we can change our perceptions. Well, first I'd say also good for Hulu. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And not in a way of like, oh, good. Thank you. I feel like sometimes in this conversation about disability, it's um, we get into the habit uh, from the community to be just like. It was a favor. It's, it's a favor. Mm -hmm. Right. But just to, to, to take advantage of this opportunity and, and. That you know, film and those actors it. had have a lot to contribute, and they're they have a value. The fact that we have to say that can be one of the most. Yes, I think the value is the key thing here, which is yeah, it may start as like a box to check. I need to include this, you know. Maybe that is in in these bigger industries like film, but I I hope to and Zeno hopes to make a bridge from that to this is a valuable part of the market. This is a talented group. The disabled community is an untapped resource for creativity, innovation, and can-do spirit, you know? So we we hope to, to widen that conversation. I think you're right, that often it is like that uncomfortable moment of like, this is a good thing to do because it includes people with disabilities. And we're saying this is good because the disabled talent. And I think it, it also shows with Hulu that the market is ready for this. The disabled community is also a huge part of the consumers. You know, so I think that's the other thing too. This has value. Um, and I'd love to see more disabled actors in voiceovers, in all area, all these other areas, commercials, you know, all these. It's really just uh, a systematic lack of opportunity to, to get in those spaces. And we need more disabled opportunity behind the camera to then have more disabled individuals in front of the camera, you know. So that was the big push with Best Summer Ever was also to recruit and provide opportunities for our disabled crew to be behind the camera. Well, I love your language. And, mm -hmm. and the words that you use. Thank you. I think language is so important. I think it's a really important part of our evolving and shared humanity, how we talk about each other and to each other and with each other. Um, and we're always learning at Zeno as well with our disabled communi community members leading that um, evolution and leading how we talk about it. I mean, I think it definitely shows in, in the movie and in the projects and in your camp that it is coming from within the community because the words that were used before came from not within the community. Right. And they came from that old mindset. And when we talk about Hulu coming in and seeing the value, I can tell any corporation the direct impact this has on my child's life. And the fact that the old stories can propagate stereotypes and propagate limits and boundaries on my child. Whereas historically, as artists, 
it is our responsibility hold, to hold up the mirror to society and to change society. When you said freaks, that's that's a very famous 1930s movie called Freaks. And the one thing as a lover of film that I've always loved and respected is that film is such a reflection of the day. So you can take any time period and look at what that genre was. And you look at freaks and in the 1930s, people were afraid of disability. Like every person in that film just needed an IEP in their school and the supports to reach their potential. And that story is horrible, but an accurate depiction of where a lot of this comes from. Yes, we talk so much about that sort of medical model of disability versus the social model of disability, where Zeno is firmly in the social model of disability with the medical model being, and the freaks example, where the disability is something to be overcome, or it's sad, and it's a problem. And the social model of disability being that the world is not set up for certain people to thrive for many reasons, but certainly not for people with disabilities to thrive. And that where the change needs to come, the change needs to come is in the accessibility in setting up systems and supports so that everybody can thrive and everyone can give and receive that friendship and community, you know. And it shouldn't be something that's different. Right. Like it shouldn't be something that when we watch it, we go, oh, this is a film that's inclusive. It's it's just a film and it's a great film and it's a musical. And of course, when I first saw it, because it's not been done before, um, to see the amount of inclusion, I looked at the school and I was like, I want that school. Right. I want that equanimity in school. And just, I did at first, I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is amazing. Look at this world. Look at this. <laughs> I want this to be my world. I want to and see. And it shouldn't be uncomfortable for anybody. You know, you talk about the person that, that came up to you and talked about feeling uncomfortable at first, but then at the end of the movie, wasn't uncomfortable with it. It shouldn't be that way, but that's part of the but journey, we can I believe. Understand. We can understand because people, when, when Liam first entered into school, people were uncomfortable that he was in the classroom. Sure. I think of um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. You know, that was probably uncomfortable for tons of people. And, and now, you know, hopefully we've progressed. Yeah. Well, you mentioned about seeing people's ability. And one thing when we were watching the outtakes at the end of the film, there was a girl who had Down syndrome and she was holding the boomstick. Yep. And he questioned it. He was like... Do you so, think, oh, yeah. the, oh, they did they just do this for the end of the, you know, and, and I very confidently went, yeah. no, she's holding the boomstick. Wouldn't it be nice if, uh, you know, we had a gaffer or we had someone in the sound department and on our, on the sets that we work on, wouldn't it be great to look over and see that in that inclusion? I mean, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. That's why it's like, you look mm-hmm. at it and you go, well, that's, that's probably just for the shot. Or, or for a few scenes. For a few right? scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. To check the box. Kind of like we're saying. Yes. But um, with collaboration and creativity and honesty, we can take that box to the next level and really actualize so much talent and so much potential um, in this community, you know. That's the model that you have with Xeno Farms. Do you want to tell us about the belief system and model? Yeah. So the Xeno model of community has four main components. And the first is that everyone contributes. And I'll just run through them and then we can talk about each one. um, So I'd love to hear your experience too. Uh, the second is that nobody pays or gets paid. So there's no social hierarchy that's at the Xeno community, which creates a unique place to start building friendships and relationships. Uh, the third point is that we really believe that a sense of belonging is a human right. And so people come back year after year to build that sense of belonging, to give and share love. And then the fourth one is what we call focused investment, 
it also just is like a big project. It's, it's the movie, it's whatever we, whatever art we create at that program to actualize the potential, to have a place where we all step up and share the best of ourselves. That concept of, and I'm jumping, but that concept of nobody pays or gets paid. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I mean, what, where that gets everybody just walking in on like the camps, even you go to a camp and you're like, wait, we're all here for the real reason. Well, also because I think what I've noticed about in our quest for supports and carving that out in Liam's life, one thing that can be very frustrating is everything costs. Yes. We need an advocate in an IEP. It costs. Or if we want more speech therapy in school, the school goes resist. If they're going to resist, it's because they think of cost. Costs. Yeah. And I think that's part of the image of a burden, you know? And so when I read your website, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's so brilliant. Again, just creating equality. It actually changes everything. And again, because we want to create authentic opportunities for authentic friendships, eliminating the social hierarchy really puts everything on a, on a new playing field. Um, and it also, when you when no one pays and no one gets paid to provide the care, it also puts the contribution and the service model on a whole new area because everybody is there for the same reason. Everyone is there to be part of the community. Everyone is there to share their talents, to have a ton of fun, to go to a lot of dance parties, to do projects. You know, everyone is there for that same reason. And I've also had a clinical career, so well aware of how important it is to have those services and all the supports, but you are exactly right. You do have to pay extra. It is every single thing is extra. And often people with disabilities are spending the majority of time with family or with people that are paid to be with them, which again is a really important part of care. It's a really important part of how we all support each other, but to come to Zeno and get to be in an environment where people are not paid or people are not paying changes everything. And it, it sets us off in a new world, in a new where, where we can talk about how we all thrive. And the people with disabilities get increased opportunities and the people without disabilities get to live in this very creative, very innovative community where going out for ice cream is a complete creative adventure at Zeno. You know, if the three of us went out for ice cream, we'd have a great time. And But when you go out to ice cream with 50 of your most diverse friends, the whole thing takes about three hours and it's a creative adventure. People eat differently. People speak differently. People load the bus differently. And we all, we all grow within that container. Um, and we're all growing towards, towards that authentic friendship, which is really what we're all about at Zeno. Well, you had talked about your experience just briefly about going to camps at Zeno. How did that start for you? Yeah, it started at 19. I started to just as a volunteer at a camp for adults with disabilities. And actually I met my husband that very first summer in 2000. And I now run Zeno with my husband and his brother and his wife, the four of us run that together. And I think for me, it just, I kind of dipped into the disability culture, which is just, as we've been saying this whole conversation and you guys understand so much and it shows in your podcast, isn't a a community in a world, a culture of innovation and creativity and love. And it was the most dynamic and fun thing I had done to date as a 19 year old. And so it just, I kind of never looked back and I was pursuing a career in occupational therapy anyways. And so I just kept coming back to the camps year after year, and then eventually started our own camp. We started Zeno in 2008, my husband and I, and my brother-in-law and his wife. Um, We all were kind of working in the disability world independently and then met at that summer camp and then started our own and then started making movies. And it just, 
what more fun things can we do with this diverse group? And we've kind of tried it all and they're all great. When you created your own camp, were there things that you definitely wanted to do differently? Yeah, that model of community, we really used our experience um, as a community to, to build that. When I first started working at the camp, only the non-disabled counselors, which we've actually, as you know, we don't use the word camper and counselor. That's part of that social hierarchy, that second part, um, because a counselor and a camper, that does kind of bring a hierarchy to it. Counselor, I have more information or I'm coming with more something, you know, more value. And so they were the only ones that had chores. So the counselor did dishes and did all the things. And then when we started the camp, we changed it. So everyone has a contribution. And again, we're really honest about it. And it's a really creative collaborative process. Uh, my friend, AJ, who is in the movie, he plays the brother, um, Kevin. I don't know if you remember him. He's uh, a man in a wheelchair. The dishes is like one of the best, most fun chores at Zeno. And it's a big job. And so we make it really fun. You blast the music and they've got a great view of the mountains, but it takes like an hour and a half to do all the dishes from dinner. AJ couldn't physically be part of the dishes crew. So I set him up with being a dish DJ and he, during the year, makes these amazing playlists for the dish crew. And then after dinner at dishes, when everyone's hanging out and it's this dynamic activity, AJ's there with his music and, and part of the scene. So that was a big thing um, that, that we shifted when we started Zeno. Um, the model of nobody pays or gets paid uh, came from the preceding camp that we were at. That was, that was part of the model. And I think that's what we synced up to right away. It felt different. It felt dynamic. The, the relationships were unique and they took a lot of collaboration, a lot of communication, and it was wildly empowering and fun. It sounds so communal when you think of no one pays, no one gets paid. We're just all here, like we said, for the same reason, to help each other. And, and you, it just builds love right there because you don't have this exchange of power as well. The one thing that my mind keeps coming back to is really just like the equality, like when you talk about, we see what people can and cannot do, and then we support them as far as when we're giving out jobs. But that's, you know, what's funny is when you say that, like immediately as a parent of a child with a disability who fights for education and all of that, I was just like, what do you mean you can and cannot do? They can do anything, you know, because those words have been so fueled. But if you like step away from like the systematic programming of the fight that I've had to fight, yes. I want a job. Do I don't that want for a job. You, for me. I don't want yeah. a job up on that thing really high in the sky because I hate That's I hate not Lori's job. It's not exactly. my job. Do you know? And I think to step away and see that that is equality is but why is it that it just it weighs heavier in our community? It means something else than what every human, like you said every human's right. I think we're coming from a place where people have been systematically excluded. That that's the foundation that we're coming from. And we do believe that gets us to the third point that it is a human right to have a sense of belonging, you know? And so when you've gone past the systematic exclusion, like when we're at Zeno, we can then really talk really openly about what people can and cannot do and what they want to do. Same with me, you know, I could not cook at Zeno. I can do basically every job. I've been there for 40 years, but I would be so stressed, you know, so it's just about our humanity. You know what I mean? And when we talk about just friendship, you know, Zeno's mission is really friendship that is the most basic concept on the surface. That is what makes a life rich is to gather with our friends and get together and do things in the summer. When you're talking about the disabled community, it's very progressive to talk about how we build authentic friendships, you know? So 
I totally get what you're saying. I totally understand. And even there's been some resistance to come to Zeno in the beginning. Yeah. Um, one example um, is a really good friend of mine and she has a physical disability, but not a cognitive disability. And she lives in town and her mom was saying, I'm not sure if it's a fit for her, you know, cause I think there was some, I'm not sure I want to be associated with this group of people that has a lot of disabilities and a lot of cognitive disabilities. It's very diverse by nature at Zeno because of that model of service. Um, people then can be of service to p- other people with disabilities. Um, people like uh, my friend Ben with Down syndrome can help Ronnie out. You know, he, when Ben first got there, he always wanted to sit in the front seat of the van because that's where the music is and he likes it, you know, and Ron has a brain injury. And so we worked with Ben to say, it's much easier for Ron to get in the front. We, we actually need you to head to the back row, like three rows back so we can make some space. And pretty quickly, Ben syncs up with that model of service. So it's very diverse um, in that way. But there was some resistance from this other family, which is totally understandable. I, I'm not sure I want a label that would say that my kid can do less or whatever you're whatever you're speaking to. Um, I don't want to start to talk about what they can't do. You know, I just, you know, because we what we've been dealing with and where we've been existing in the disability space. So I think when people come to Zeno, it's a little bit of a, we can like let that all go and just pour our love and our energy into whatever project we're building. Um, and that gets to that fourth tenet, which is we always have a unifying project. The movie is the perfect example because it takes a lot of people to make a movie. And so we need Marissa on the, the sound and we need everybody. Um, and we recruited Marissa. She lives in on the West Coast in San Fran and has been trying to get jobs in, in sound. And she has a job coach often, um, but her family has advocated for her to, to get that. And it's been hard because you have to provide that extra support. The other thing that happens with the movie often is people say, it must've been really hard to make that movie because you have so many people with disabilities in it. And that is not why that movie was hard to make. The movie was hard to make just because it was like a massive movie, you know? And people with disabilities are actually very well suited for movie making in that it's a lot of creative problem solving. It's a lot of how can we make this work? Oh, it's not gonna work here. Let's try a different way that, you know, and a lot of patience and perseverance and problem solving and creativity, innovation. So did you guys make the movie over the summer? We we filmed some of it during the big summer camp so we could have a lot of people in it. Um, but then we did a month long, all of the principal photography for the movie was shot in one month up in Vermont at our facility at Zeno. So the things that you see are the facility in Vermont. We have six handicapped accessible tree houses and a very beautiful space here. But that was filmed um, a month separate. We ran like a, a film camp basically and brought people in and out um, throughout the month. It was a much bigger crew for this movie. So throughout the month, people rotated through depending on the scenes that they were in and the schedule. So you're in Vermont. Obviously, you talk about Marissa is from San Francisco, but I'm assuming a lot of the camp goers are from the Northeast. How do people that want to attend your camp, how, what, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, that tees up perfectly to the third point, um, which is that people come back year after year. Part of building the friendships is that people are invited back year after year to build that that lifetime, that more feels like a reunion. You come back and you build memories together. You build a shared history, we call it, with that sense of belonging. So we have people from all over, a lot from the Northeast. Um, We also have quite a big crew from Los Angeles because we were making movies. We were running our film camps in Los Angeles for about 12 years um, where we made all those short films. And that was a blast. We would run a two-week camp and that would be about 45 of us. And we would do the whole short movie in those two weeks, costumes, writing, filming. It was a total adventure. We we loved doing that. That was before we all had kids. So, but we also have a crew from New York. And so 
all over the, um, the U.S. A few um, Xeno people from Europe too, just a couple. But the challenge with this model of sustaining friendship is that there's not a ton of open spots. Um, but we do have a wait list so people can go to xenomountainfarm.com and sign up for the wait list and get in touch. We also going to show the best summer ever at some in some major cities coming up. We historically have always gone around and shown the movie um, in Boston, New York, D.C., L.A., San Fran. Um, so if you're interested to come meet us and you can hit a screening, um, that would be amazing. You can get all that information through the Instagram or the website. And I think the best thing is just to come meet us and to come make a connection. And then as as space fills up, um, we run some ski camps. That's, that's one camp that has a lot of space because adaptive skiing is like very adventurous and it's freezing in Vermont in, in January. But we're, we're hoping to, through the movie, just continue with more outreach. So be able to, to show the movie at places and meet people and, and continue to have the model grow um, in other ways, like through the filmmaking and the outreach as well. Well, you have a lot, if people go on your website, there's a lot of different camps that you have and they can look and see some of the work that you do. And I just, I love, I have to bring it back to this because this is like, you know, so interesting to me because when you talk about, I have to take notes. Um, how that mother came and she wasn't sure right uh, if she wanted her child and I th I think that's really so important that honesty is so important because they're feelings that we have yeah they're feelings that we have because they're feelings that we experience right this is what we're told and we see that an outward perception can definitely limit our children but it's only through change that we change that outward perception but I think it's so important that we just acknowledge that to have those conversations. And then when we have those feelings and conversations, we can think, well, why do I feel that way? Why am I afraid of what I'm going to connect with? Because I'm not afraid of human connecting my child to be more, you know, treated like a human. I'm not afraid of the equality. I'm not afraid of the friendships that they're going to cultivate. It's the other stuff. It's the system that's broken. And I think that if we can just acknowledge that that's really why things like this movie and Zeno, which I love that it's a, a noun, a verb, an adjective. I love it. Um, are so important because maybe that parent wouldn't feel this, this way if they'd been exposed earlier. And maybe other parents won't feel this way. And I think that's what, that's what we're going for. That's what we're striving for is that we don't have to carry this weight anymore. It's so beautifully said, Lori, and I think it brings it back to the movie, which is the best way to start to open up. And if we're, if we're seeing people with disabilities um, in movies, in media, in pop culture, that that can really start to shift things. And I think we need to see people with disabilities in non-specific roles. Those are just in the background, at the gas station, as the girlfriend, as the uncle, you know, all those places, not just um, so... I think it's very real because we're existing the majority of the time in a world that's focused on the deficits or focused on what Liam can't do or what what he needs, as opposed to a world that's looking at what you can do. What's what's the potential? Where's the growth? And I remember another parent, and all these parents have been coming back year after year, so that there's a long history of a relationship with these families, which breeds a lot of honesty as well, you know. But saying before Zeno, I really didn't know if anyone else would love my son or that if my son would be loved by somebody other than our family. And I was almost afraid to even talk about that to myself, you know? Um, but because of this unique model, it is over time creating a space for people to thrive and to be loved and share love for who they are. 
Because people shouldn't have to feel like that. Parents shouldn't have to feel like that. Right. And those feelings don't come from this journey. They do. They come from the outside. They come from that 1930s movie. Exactly. Well, the woman that felt uncomfortable, again, I'll bring it to to you about the kiss at the beginning of of the movie. uh, She probably didn't want to feel uncomfortable. I know why she felt she uncomfortable. She didn't know why. She's like, oh, but she just knew at the end she didn't. And it's just like, oh, I just need to be exposed to some things here. Yes. Yes. Because this film is, it's amazing. It's a great film. And it's not a great film with people with disabilities. It's just a great film. And you've got people so diverse. It's like, the best. So I mean, it is the I best mean, model of inclusion I've ever seen. Yes. Ever. Um, but I love when you just see a cop walks up and he oh my, happens to have a disability. Okay, who played the and, the cop was just oh, fantastic. fantastic, really great. Well, there's so, so many, many great, great actors. so many great actors. Yeah, right? his name is Lawrence Carter Long. He is an amazing, amazing actor and advocate. And we've had many conversations actually about the cop. When have you ever seen a cop with a disability? And to have a cop with a disability was um, actually a big point of discussion because a lot of people with disabilities and families. Um, fear cops and cop in our, you know, because cops aren't necessarily trained or available. I mean, let's take Bessemer ever to all the cops. Let's show Bessemer ever to like the whole police force. You know, this, this is what we want to do. It's about our shared humanity. This, this includes all of us, you know, and when we take the time and we get creative and we open up our perceptions, um, we can, we can start to change it. Again, the problem is not the community. The problem is not the disability. The problem is the culture and the surrounding environment that's limiting and that's not set up for people to thrive, for people to grow, for people to exist as they are, as we all are. When I think about you and Zeno and this conversation and your film, I think about humanity because everybody, we have not, this community has not been treated as humans. Really, there was a, there's a big chunk of history that they were not treated like humans. And so it is about having that humanity and reinstilling it. And remembering that that is, that's just like the right of being alive, just to be treated like a human. And for a really long time, that wasn't even taken into consideration. You know, just the, just the fact that, a, that schools will deny civil rights and not think twice about it to somebody with a disability. And sometimes as a community, we take that on because it just plants seeds in us as well. And we forget that that's, that's wrong. Exactly. And it can be isolating. Mm-hmm. The medicine for that is the friendship and the belonging in the community and, and coming back year after year and saying, we want your talents and we would not be who we are and our art and our movies would not be what they are without you and your talents. And that's what your movie is. It's a celebration of humanity. Yes, absolutely. It's like humanity with cheerleaders and high school drama and a big ending scene, you know, that, that is what we're going for is that when we open up and when we start to flow into this model of potential and this model of honesty, we can, we can sink into a deeper level of shared humanity. And that's why we fight for inclusion in the classroom is because if we have an inclusive environment, if, if we're raised in an inclusive environment, if that's what we experience through our life, then inclusion is just going to be how it is. Yeah. And I see that through my children, you know, my children, I have three young children, uh, 11, eight, and four, and they've grown up with the Zeno model. And because we run 12 camps a year here in Vermont, they see the people at Zeno a lot more than they see my first cousin. You know, this is part of our work and part of our community. And they really see everyone at Zeno as it's not the best word, but normal. We need a better word for that. But they see everyone at Zeno as an integrative part of our community and our work. 
And it's incredible to, to witness that through, through their eyes. Um, we just simply need experiences. Well, your kids are seeing everyone as equal. Exactly. They're seeing everyone working. Everyone's working towards what we want to do. Everyone's eating in different ways. Like we said, talking in different ways, contributing in different ways. And that's fine. That's, that's the normal breath of humanity. That's the truth of humanity. And then where do I fit in and where can I share and where can I support? Fantastic. I love it. Cause that's, that's where change comes from. I love Zeno as a noun and a verb and an adverb and an adjective. And yes, exactly. The name Zeno comes from the road in Vermont that our facility is on. It's called Zeno road. And we just love that word. And it now has become a noun and also a verb. People are let Zeno it up. You know, when people, when we see on Instagram that people from our community have gotten together and gone to a ball game or, you know, people are getting together outside of the camps as well. That's when we really know uh, it's working. And that's, that's where the change comes from. I wish everybody had 20% of their friends had disabilities and 20% of the people in your office had disabilities and 20% of the people you see at the library, you know, that's, that is the truth of the population. And so we want our, our pop culture and our movies to represent that. Well, you're doing it and it's great. And I, I look forward to the, the change that is coming. People can support this film by going on Hulu or they can find the film on Hulu. Free on Hulu. Yep. They have an exclusive licensing deal with it um, for another two years. And you had mentioned another way to support or to be involved with Xeno Farms just through the advocacy. Yeah. We're also showing this movie, Best Summer Ever, with the documentary um, at schools and places of business. So if you, you at your at your local high school or any any business that would want to talk about, you know, a lot of people are bringing Xeno through the DEI work. Um, as, as another way, you know, disability hasn't always been at the forefront of the DEI work, but it's starting to become integrated. And so we have been working in that space a little bit too, through the film mostly. So if you would like to show the film or any interest in the film to reach out right through the website, Isla at xenomountainfarm.com, we are, we're doing many events and through the access of Zoom, we're able to do a lot of events. It's so wonderful to be able to connect in this way. Well, I'm so glad that I met Devin on that day and we got in touch with you and it's just been so nice talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. I love getting to know you both and I love your podcast and the work that you do. And there's so many ways to connect. There's so many touch points. So this was so exciting. Thank you, Isla. Take care. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod. Or visit our website, ifwenewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Come and talk.